Well, welcome everyone to the Swirl Suite this evening. We have an excited, exciting guest for you. She is ready to tell you all about AI and wine. We have <laughs> Leslie, Sarita, and myself, and Pam Dillon today. Sit back and relax. Let's go. So, ladies, uh, wait, first, Leslie, you have to tell us all about the Urban Grape opening. You were there. Tell us about it. Let me tell you. Everybody and their mama was there. Every, they, they, from what I heard through the grapevine, they were expecting this was their um, opening after their grand opening. And then they had like a little VIP thing. And I heard that they had sent out about 400 invitations and it seemed like a million people were in there. Um, it's the cutest little shop. Uh, they have wine and spirits. They have a lot of diverse providers there. Um, and so you can find just about anything, mainstream, unique, everything that was there. I was fortunate enough to pour with Justin, who is a friend of the show, um, from Ward 4 Wines, and we were pouring her Barbera and um, her Movedra, which I didn't know she had a Movedra, but it was yeah. Phenomenal. It was a phenomenal Movedra. And then next to me was Boy Crew was there. Um, it was like everybody who had been on this world suite was there. <laughs> and and um, Donna was there from um, Lafette. And then they had Uncle Nearest um, pouring. And they were doing special um, engraving of the bottle. So if you mm -hmm. want to have your, your bourbon bottle engraved and then there was this new South African brand that had just come out um and it was so much energy so I mean I think people were so hyped to see it everybody came through it was so good to see um people there like the millennial psalm was there um of course philosophy was there it was I mean it was just it was so much energy in the room that you just had like a happiness headache and they still hadn't um by the time they opened they still had not finished stocking everything so they have like stocks on stocks on stocks and you can see they already had programming for the next up uh, for like almost for through february um that's there and um so if you have not had an opportunity to check it out definitely go check it out it's right near up from um the convention center. So it's on the corner of the convention center. And and this is one little interesting tidbit. So when I was driving up, I didn't recall the address. And um, as some of you may know, I was on this journey to find a place to have a wine bar. And that was one of the properties that I was looking at. Oh my goodness. So it was destined for that particular property to have some type of wine affiliated stuff but it is a beautiful shop it's a large shop and i think they'll do really well on that corner yeah and what's really cool is most of the staff there are sommeliers wine educators they take wine very very seriously and they have like a little event space so i am excited to see what's going to go on in that shop yes and i think if you remember um felicia from 
I forget where she she was at Duck and Peach. We had met her before. She's a psalm. She is their wine buyer. Well, their buyer, not just their wine buyer, but their buyer there. So you're right. Like there were so many people on staff that I recognized um, in the DC wine scene. So they have really passionate people about beverage working in the shop, which is great. Yes. Awesome. Uh, short recap for me. Um, I'm fresh from Orlando. I was there for PodFest. I was sitting on a panel to talk about AI and podcasting. It, I learned so much in um, the different sessions and it was really fun to talk to people about like sort of the process of podcasting and what I use AI for. I talked a lot about Canva. There is huge AI tools in Canva and they call it like the magic studio. It'll rewrite things for you. It'll, um, because I use, I use Canva a lot to, for my captions on social media platforms. So I'm not saying the same thing on all platforms. It'll give me something different. And they have this thing where you can sprinkle fairy dust on something. So it just make it a little brighter, a little fun. And um, yeah, talked about that and some other stuff. It was recorded. So when I get that footage back, I will definitely post it. But um, it was a good few days. Nice little getaway in Orlando. Glennis, how are you? What's up? Um, nothing exciting like you, ladies. Um, just sit around and watch football Sunday. Oh, that was man. about it. Those games were intense. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was I I, that's all I, did. I was disappointed in Baltimore. Man, I was hoping they was gonna pull it out. They didn't do that run game against the one defense that couldn't handle it. They could have walked away with this with no problem. They made Lamar sit in the pocket, which was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah. tough. It was tough to watch. I don't know what that coaching was doing. Don't know what the coaching staff was doing, but they did not play the um, same type of football that got them there right. to the AFC championship. So, yeah, I don't and, know. And, yeah, with the second game, I did fall asleep, but I thought Detroit was going to pull it out. I would have loved to see them go to the Super Bowl. But wow, I was, I woke up yeah. with another surprise. Wow. So. so it didn't go the way I no. don't think half the country wanted it to go. So, <laughs> Yeah, it would have been a pretty brown Super Bowl. Well, you know. On to our special guest, Pam Dillon. Welcome to the Swirl Suite. Hello. It's good to be here. How are you today? Well, I'm great. Um, it's a good time to be an AI. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I'm great. I mean, I mean, you know, I you probably like know this, but we've been building for 10 years and like we're overnight everybody is yeah. talking about this kind of technology and it just it feels very rewarding after all our years of building. Yeah. So I'm good. <laughs> Wonderful. So for those who do not know you, please introduce yourself and tell us all about what you do. Sure. Well, um, my name is Pam Dillon. I am the CEO and co-founder of Preferably, the leading enterprise software company uh, that is providing discovery and recommendations, um, primarily in the wine and spirit space now, and uh, kind of a uh, 
um, Newsbreak will be um, doing other sensory consumer products uh, starting next year as well. So um, we've been working on this technology for uh, the better part of a decade. Back before AI was a thing, <laughs> we were doing AI. People thought we were crazy. Um, they don't think we're so crazy anymore. Um, but um, anyway, our, uh, our, our client base, we're primarily in service to businesses we do have a consumer app we can talk about uh, we're primarily in service to service to businesses uh grocery retailers specialty retailers travel hospitality um uh, direct-to-consumer platforms suppliers distributors so really across the supply chain and the central focus of the work that we do uh, is one-to-one -one preference uh very focused on taste preference so uh, happy to get into more detail there, but that's what we're working on. So tell us how this started, because you were on Wall Street before, right? Tell us about that transition and how it happened. Yeah, sure. You know, um, I'm a, uh, well, I'm a proud New Yorker. Let's start there. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, home of the Sopranos, and uh, a lot of bad New Jersey turnpike jokes. Uh, but starting my career in the capital markets, uh, in New York and work myself really around the, the globe. I lived and worked in London and Tokyo uh, during sort of the first tech go round uh, in the late 90s and um, noticed something. Um, I noticed that there were, surprise, a lot of posers on Wall Street uh, when it came to wine. Um, irritatingly, certainly, uh, but I thought it was a real opportunity uh, for me if I could actually really understand it. So some people went home and I suppose did crossword puzzles or whatever, and I went home and I read books online. I read absolutely everything I could get my hands on in those years. Um, originally just for love, interest, and to truly, truly understand it. Um, but then it started to get more serious. Uh, I started to keep a journal of myself, um, my clients, my colleagues. What wines did I like uh, or even love? Uh, what wines did they like? Um, and uh, I ended up building a preference profile uh, in my own mind for myself and everybody else. And that is what grew up to be preferably. And when you say preference profile, what exactly does that mean? What that means is uh, we take uh, consumer reactions on a one-to-one -one basis. So each one of the three of you would have your own profile and uh, we build it based upon whatever kind of information we have we're getting uh, in the way a human expert would build in their minds uh, a preference profile. So let's say you were talking about um, uh, Morvedra before. Let's say you liked that particular wine or even loved it. Um, what our software does is it takes up to 800 characteristics for each of the wines and uses them to build a taste preference profile of what you like. And then every single time, so let's say you were to work yourself uh, around all of the Rhone Valley grapes. So you tried uh, a Grenache and a Syrah or maybe some blends and uh, you liked or didn't like some of those. And uh, our software would recalculate the nature of the things that you like uh, that you're tasting 
Um, every single time we got either a new consumer rating from you uh, or every time you bought something, it's however you want to use the information, uh, you know, however you want to prioritize the information, you can work with that. So, um, and we use that profile to make recommendations. So this is um, pretty, pretty technical, but a lot of moving pieces because they're up to 800 characteristics for each wine, beer, spirit, RTD. Um, there's a lot of data moving around. So preferably it used to be called the wine ring. And so was, mm -hmm. was there a name change? There was. Okay. Gotcha. And so you said today, the wine ring makes money from licensing its technology to vendors and from selling the results of data to, to collect to the vendors. Like, so how do businesses use the data? Leslie has a wine club. How would she use that data? Yeah, sure. So uh, if she has a, a wine club, um, what we would do is we would um, start with the software itself. We could take all of the sales histories and on an individual consumer basis, make sense of all of that sort of mountain of data, make suggestions, recommendations for what you might include in uh, your next wine club shipment. So instead of sending the same things over and over again, um, that could be personalized and um, it could be personalized on a household basis. So let's say uh, you were sending a wine club shipment to me and my husband um, and uh, he has slightly different preferences than I do. Um, you could optimize actually between the two of us and make recommendations that work for either of us for both of us at the same time. So our software is pretty clever in that way, working uh, with wine clubs. Um, and then as far as the data are concerned, what we, what we do is we sell um, aggregated data. So we're really mindful, privacy, security, individual consumer data, private information. So we don't, we don't sell that. Um, what we do is we bring information together, uh, the nature of trends, so it can be uh, any kind of wine, beer, spirit, RTD trend or in combination with each other. And there are some pretty interesting moving pieces going on right now. Um, it could be uh, a cohort analysis. So if we let's go back to that Syrah for a second, uh, if someone's producing a Syrah in California and they want to know uh, if people generally like it. Um, uh, or how much more or less they like that Syrah compared with another California Syrah or a Syrah from Southern France. So these kinds of um, uh, cohort analyses, sort of competitive market analyses we can do. And then the last one we actually did very recently, just a couple of weeks ago, we finished up a quality um, uh, price quality analysis. And so we looked at uh, really across a huge part of the market, um, uh, where, what kind of brands were delivering better quality for price. Uh, and uh, since some of the things we taste for include quality characteristics, um, we're able to provide that kind of data. And, and to be clear, um, you know, preferably works with the largest group of masters of wine and master sommeliers in the world you know, all in one place uh, on our team. And when they taste, they're not tasting sort of, they're not tasting for their own preferences. They're tasting as, uh, as an, on an impartial basis. So um, some of those characteristics include quality characteristics, the kinds of things that masters of wine and master sommeliers 
naturally taste for. And uh, it's just really interesting results. So the data uh, can be um, uh, cut uh, a whole host of different ways. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's part of, that's part of our business model. Pam, I, um, so I use chat GPT, um, for some of my social media posts mm -hmm. and, um, and, and sometimes when I first use it, like when I put in like whatever, um, it's not quite right. Right. And so then I have to go back and help it learn my voice of how I want it to, the information that I want to come out. So when you are doing this for people's tasting preferences, right? How do you know it's quite right at that time? Like what things are you teaching AI to um, learn behavior to to um, push out exactly what you want it, which you know what the right answer should be or close to which you feel those results should be? That is a great question. So um, let's take a half a step back before we take a couple of giant step, steps forward to answer the question. So the half step back uh, is along the lines of um, just the nature of, of Gen AI technologies, whether it's ChatGPT or BARD or um, the preferably Gen AI functionality, um, whatever large language model you're working with um, is, uh, is a tool. And it's a, it's a tool the way mobile technology, your smartphone is a tool. It's a tool the way your computer is a tool, web technology, you know, your iPad, whatever you're using. So it's just one way to deliver um, whatever information you're looking for. And um, it's particularly exciting because it's natural conversation. And uh, it's the first time you, that we in the world have, haven't had to work with very specific prompts that were organized by coders, right? So you can tell it the terms around which you want to have a conversation, which is just cool on every possible level. So laying that groundwork that Gen AI is just one way uh, to get the functionality what preferably does uh, what we have is a, a series of functionalities, a preference engine that delivers results, web, mobile, Gen AI. And um, the preference engine works the same for each one of those tools, for each one of those delivery mechanisms. It works with the same preference engine. Uh, and ultimately, just like you were referring to ChatGPT or any of the large language models uh, or specialized models like ours, um, it's a prediction. Uh, and let's be clear what a prediction is. It's a guess. And it could be a very well-informed guess. Um, it can be a not so well-informed guess. Generally speaking, though, however it's programmed, if it thinks it knows what the answer is, it'll tell you. Um, and in the case of uh, our functionality, we actually calculate the percentage of certainty that we think we have with what we're about to tell you. So if you taste 10 Chardonnay from, say, Burgundy, um, we have a pretty good sense of your 
white burgundy preferences, right? So if you ask if I'm going to like this wine, uh, or if you ask for three wines that taste like this is my favorite white Chardonnay from Burgundy, we're going to be pretty sure about the nature of the functionalities that we're delivering. Um, the distinction and the difference, and then back to you, uh, between what we do and what the large language models do, so what ChatGPT does or what BAR does, is we're working with data that is proprietary. And so none of these large language models have this. They don't have the 800 characteristics for each one of the wines and spirits in the world. Um, and they don't have a preference engine that works like a human wine or spirits expert. Um, they have different kinds of information that do different things. So these are different. Uh, they're complementary, but they're they're very, very, uh, they're very, very different. So um, so we go back and uh, use that calculation that I was telling you about before with respect to your profile. We just deliver it in a different way. Does that make sense? So I have a question about the customer version of your app. When will it be available? Is there a cost? And how will it be able to grow with your palate? Yeah, so um, so good news. Uh, it's out. Um, we keep a very, very low profile uh, with respect to our consumer application. Um, we've basically used it as uh, a giant focus group for the better part of 10 years to make sure that our preference engine works, to make sure that our functionalities work. And uh, so we now have a, um, a lot of data that proves that it works, um, which is a good thing. Um, the other reason that we put the app out there we kept a very low profile was our um, merchant partners who are interested in trying it out um, needed a way to be able to prove to themselves that um, it works and so uh, our technology works and so we say no biggie just download our <laughs> application and try it for yourself you don't need us to prove it to you another way like you can prove it to yourself um, and uh, um, and it's free. It's free to them. It's free to you. It's free to anybody who's listening uh, because it's not how we monetize. We don't monetize by charging for our consumer app, and we don't monetize um, in any way, at least at the moment, we don't monetize in any way with respect to um, recommendations to where to buy uh, you know, a particular wine or spirit. Um, and uh, the way it works uh, is the same way all of our functionalities work for businesses, um, web, mobile, or Gen AI is uh, it evolves with you and your preferences. So every single time you rate a wine or spirit or whatever, um, it recalculates your profile and uh, recalculates uh, the description of your preferences and makes different recommendations based upon whatever those are. Um, you know, we all know we evolve in, in our preferences over the course of uh, over the course of our lives. Um, and what's interesting is that inventories, uh, you know, where you buy these wines also evolve, right? Um, you know, your local wine store, it's not a static inventory, you know. And so we need to be able to make recommendations where with whatever current inventory exists. And um, that's also something that you can do. Again, very low key. Uh, and we're continuing to roll it out with uh, our new partners as we, uh, we lock them on. We've just come to market over the last year or so. So uh, you'll be able to see more in that respect pretty soon. 
it too early to see the influence that it has on the retailer and the winemaker of what they are carrying? Or are you starting to see that influence now? We can see it right away. Um, so one of the things that we can do is we can actually take all of the inventory and run it through our preference engine and describe the nature of the buyer preferences, right? So you mm -hmm. think about it, anybody who's buying an inventory, it could be a team of people, it could be a single person, but we can tell you, not, maybe not necessarily what the buyer likes, but we could definitely describe the buyer preferences, right? From the point of view of what they're stocking. And then what we can do is we can analyze um, all of the uh, customer uh, purchases uh, over time and compare them. And you would you be surprised if I told you there's often a mismatch? So this particular retailer has a huge amount of this kind of wine, but actually not a lot of preference for it. And um, it's not a, a bad thing. It's not right or wrong or good or bad mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's just a mismatch. It's information. And so maybe that retailer sends out personalized emails because not enough people are interested or know about their Morvedra and that they might like it, you know? So maybe... Uh, it's an opportunity. On the other hand, maybe it's dead stock. <laughs> so um, these are the kinds of candid discussions that um, merchants can have with each other once they have this kind of analysis. Which I think you bring up a really good point because we have we have a wine club and part of our appeal in our wine club is that we make adventurous decisions right, that you would not normally see on this shelf. And mm -hmm. the people who belong to the wine club, so they've said, they like that adventure because they wouldn't normally buy that. Um, so I could see the pros and cons in it. Like if, if a merchant was purely just going off of what people enjoy and they're going to continue to purchase that and what have you, which is great. And they'll make money and what have you. But then the consumer doesn't have that opportunity to try something different or to challenge themselves. So trying to find the balance there. And, and that's where I guess, you know, the powers that be make that decision with the data. Yeah, those from, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, sure. From a merchant pr uh, perspective, those two, things can happen simultaneously. So um, they have the analysis and uh, can stock appropriately. And then if they wanna you know, go off the reservation and buy something else completely different um, to, to push, to test um, what, who people, you know, what people might be interested in the story or just trying something completely new, um, that is absolutely part of the overall picture of this. And um, um, so it's, it's, you know, that's one thing. Um, uh, the related thing uh, is that our software can do that so um, just like a human expert can say, okay, you've been tasting a lot of wines and liking a lot of wines that have these kinds of characteristics um, all working together. So it's not just this, like up to the 800, like individually, like they don't 
all have the same weight in in terms of whether or not you're going to like it. And you know that, like in, in terms of tasting wine yourself. So what are the patterns that are most important um, to be able to take somebody on a journey, to take somebody to di discover something and explore something? And um, one of our functionalities is we can actually take that wild new idea that you have and run it through our preference engine and tell you which of your customers um, might like it just based upon the information we have. And, you know, whatever the answer is, you're still completely independent, right? To be able to make whatever decisions you want. It's a way to approach your business um, that is organized and thoughtful uh, with machines doing all the things that human beings can't can't do um, as, as fast and easy with as much data. So it's not meant to solve everything or do everything. It's meant to help. It's meant to extend and expand and develop ideas around the business. In the end, the business owner, it's all in the heart and soul. Are you going to stick with wine or are you going to work with other industries as far as your technology? So yeah, yeah. So we started. Uh, we're we're going places. Um, so we started with wine uh, because, well, wine. Uh, if it's not the most complex consumer product on planet Earth, it's one of them, right? Like you could get into woolly discussions about whether whiskey is more complex or whether mezcal is more complex. I think it depends on the mezcal. It depends on the whiskey. It depends on the wine. Um, but by starting with wine, especially because there are a million wines in the world. And so that's like an overwhelming thing, right? Um, we wanted to prove our metal. We wanted to prove we could do it with something that was complex with a lot of moving pieces. And, uh, but from the very beginning, uh, wine ring, we knew was going to evolve to be something else. And we wanted to build the software for wine. We wanted to make sure it worked for wine. We wanted to test it for wine. And then we wanted to see where the world was, both with respect to the wine and spirits industry and any sensory consumer product, because our software works for any sensory consumer product. All 11 patents work for any product that requires a sense that goes beyond sight and beyond sound. So food, um, fragrance, you, you, know, you can just, everybody always asks me about cannabis. Yes, of course. Um, so, um, but we, so our, our thinking was to see where the market was and then we would rebrand, we would rename ourselves. And when we went to do that, um, it was a very long exercise in some respects that came back just to the core of what we were doing around preference all day long. And, preferably seemed so obvious. And, uh, uh, and one of our, one of the youngest members of our team, when we were going to name it preferably with a Y said, um, why wouldn't you make it an I, you know, everything, you know, we're Mac people, we're Apple people. Why would you make it an I? Like, you know, see, that's why you have, you know, kids on your team because they always say, you know, I love a range, you know, people are different. And I love that vibrancy of dialogue. So yeah, the best marketing idea of the year came from a 22 year old, son of the, uh, my co-founder as a matter of fact, it's a great story. True story. So yes, uh, we now do wine, beer, spirits, RTDs, ready to drinks. Um, and we are not making any announcements today about other um, uh, consumer products. But uh, if you stay tuned in the first quarter, you will hear an announcement that will go beyond the wine and spirits industry. Well, Pam, if you would like to come back and reveal that, 
I you love you. Too. I love you all. I don't, there's no, by the way, that was a great move. You got that in really fast. That was very good. Of course. Not a problem. You. And you, you know, it's, it's just the four of us here. Nobody else is listening. So if you want to share now, you can't. <laughs> Listen, just I have could. Nikki email us. We'll set this good, up all over they? again. They're really good. <laughs> These questions are all for all of us. It's just a few. All right, here we go. These are random closeouts, AI edition. Ooh. When was the last time you used AI and what did you use it for? AI is everywhere. So <laughs> the last time was accessing this webinar. <laughs> oh, true. Um, this is true. The time before was when I got my lift uh, to yeah. the hotel and I checked in. Uh, and then uh, the plane, you, you know, the, everything is driven by AI and the plane to get here where I am. Um, and then the time before that, just before I got on the plane, actually was uh, using preferably. <laughs> I, you know, you talk about eating your own cooking. I mean, I consume my own AI and I love it. Glennis, <laughs> what about you? Yes, it's like Pam said, accessing this and um just working with um stuff on my phone so nothing too mind provoking for me because you know I'm not a tech person so earlier today I was uh writing a post and I I put in different things different prompts that I wanted to start writing and it did it today yeah um for me um canva created my whole video that i just posted on on instagram all i did was get i gave it like a one-liner i told him what the pictures were basically about and loaded in pictures and video in it yeah produce a, a whole reel for me that was like 30 seconds that was the last like formal thing i used it for what aaron would you have ai perform regular errand like uh like I guess if you had a robot or something car maintenance grocery shop dishes like whatever what would you have it do first uh well I I have to say the first thing I would ask it to do is tell me all the things that AI could do better faster or easier that where I was still doing them myself to understand what I was missing because there is so much out there um, and I don't think any of us know completely everything that is available to us. So, and I would, and back to your comment, um, you know, earlier, Glynis, around um, being a tech person or not being a tech person, you know, um, I think of tech as kind of like a car, right? You don't need to know every single thing about how a car works, Um to drive well, to drive fast. <laughs> um, you don't need to know. You just need to have the basics, right? And make it work for you. And I think that AI is going to have to be that way because the vast majority of the world um, doesn't wake up thinking about ones and zeros and writing code. And so there's going to be this layer, you know, this real people layer <laughs> that's going to be there to help us all. And I'm imagining that being um, being built. So that's, uh, that's my answer. Linus, what about you? What would you have a robot do for you? Laundry. <laughs> yes. Wash my car. Like 
come wash my car, not me drive to the car wash, come wash my car. And if AI could exercise for me and I lose weight, oh, that oh. would be outstanding. Killer app. <laughs> Uh, oh, you win. You definitely win. That is the best yeah. answer, right? Yes, you definitely win. <laughs> Two very simple things. If an AI could just make my bed. Just make my bed and clean. Uh, and then not, okay, clean certain things. Like clean the kitchen. That is the place that always gets dirty fastest. So if you can make my bed and clean my kitchen, I'll be, I'll be good. Happy camper. All right, last question. Best movie or TV show that's based on AI? I have examples if you can't remember any. Leave the World Behind. That was on Netflix. That's, I don't want to give it away, but that's when all the Teslas took over the world. They were, did crazy stuff. Um, Minority Report, Fifth Element, Matrix, Terminator, Short Circuit. That's, uh, that's showing our age there, but if y'all remember Short Circuit, that was a great movie. Uh, Her, iRobot, all the Mission Impossibles. So, what would be your answer? Well, I can't just pick one, but I will give them to you in order, uh, reverse order. All right, so let's build it up. So first of all, Minority Report, um, the idea that we can predict behaviors, um, you know, particularly beha behaviors that can hurt people. Wow, that's like super intriguing and seems like a worthwhile thing to be able to do and need to get it right. Um, but who could possibly forget Tom Cruise working it on those clear workboards? Like that is probably one of the coolest images in all of movies to me is watching Tom kind of do his thing um, and on those on those clear workboards. Um, I loved her because I think it served up one of the most serious questions that we are we're actually going to have to have an answer to, which is: Do we feel like we can have a meaningful relationship with an AI? with something that's not human? Like, do we feel feel like we can have a relationship? That's actually a really big deal, I think. Um, but the winner is Matrix. Um, and I assume you mean the first Matrix because one has to distinguish. Um, I think that that movie defined what science fiction could be. It blew our minds. I remember seeing it the first time and not being able to think about anything else. Um, and it gave rise to the possibility we may already be living in a matrix, um, which is, I suppose, a whole other topic. Um, and I'm not going there today. We're sticking. We're just sticking with a little bit more wine after this conversation, right? <laughs> I would say the Minority Report. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember everything, but I would say the Minority Report. Yeah, I was think I was trying to think of the name of this movie that you <clears throat> you you didn't necessarily list it, and I could see the young lady. Uh, oh, the Librarian. I don't know if you Ooh. ever watched it. Huh? I don't the think I've seen it. It it's it's about um this library that houses all of the artifacts um, that could get into the hands of evil, but it's housed in, in this library, this mystical library. And one of the actresses that's in there sees formulas and can predict, just like you were saying, Pam, mm. but you could see her saying, X squared minus the square root of blah, blah, blah. And she's writing it in, on the, this virtual board. So the librarian, 
would be mine. And I guess with what you said, which is an impossible are we talking about? Tom Cruise or the initial mission oh, impossible? Totally. <laughs> I guess there wasn't no AI there. Okay. My bad. Just kidding. So I guess um minority part and then mission impossible. But I, like I, really, I really like the original ones better. <laughs> Leslie. That one, and also, I don't know if it was, I think this was kind of like a, a AI big brother type of thing, enemy of the state. Oh, that was cool. um, yeah. yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. And Regina King. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, For mine, I'm going to go with The Fifth Element. I, mm. I feel like it's a, it's a really good story. It's very entertaining. And it, yeah, we saw a lot of technology, like bits and pieces of kind of what we see now um i thought leave the world behind was an okay movie but i thought it was really interesting that the teslas went crazy um that was that was that was pretty cool and the weird thing was at the time that i watched the movie i uh i was in the middle of buying a new car and i was driving a rental tesla so i kept looking at it like don't listen don't fuck with me (laughs) don't don't play around (laughs) don't go there it's a whole new meaning well this was awesome pam Uh, before you go tell everybody where they can find out about the app if they want to download it and where they can follow you sure uh we're preferably i'm pam dylan uh we're preferably ios or android whatever you're working with we're working with uh preferably.com we'd love to uh we'd love to have everybody try it out um uh, and learn uh, the nature of your own individual preferences. It's really fun discovering who you are. Love the tagline. Yes, indeed. Uh, guys, any announcements uh, before we log off? Leslie, you got anything uh, planned? Events? Or not? I'm so excited. So we have our annual um, Sip Black reception in Bowie, Maryland. And our, our featured guest this time is Kendra Dion from 5011 Wines. So check out our website to get your tickets. It's on February 16th. And then we also have our um, Sip Black four pack. So we have um, four wines that we're highlighting this month. So definitely check out our website. Um, and I think you'll enjoy them. They're all unique wines. And that's for February, correct? Or yes, just- but we are doing a pre-sale. And if you buy it now, you get an additional $20 credit. Well, everybody, that is a wrap. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Pam. Cheers. You've been listening to the Swirl Sweet Podcast, a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media. 